Hello, beautiful people. I'm Patrick. And I'm Wojciech. And you are listening to Brains and Beards show. Episode number nine. Fast... No, it's episode number 10. Fast lane automation. How far is too far? Enjoy. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? Hello, Wojciech. I'm fine. I'm good. I just came back home, uh, opened the, the recording programs and started everything what's needed for recording the podcast and I'm ready. I'm ready to record another great, let's not say amazing, but a great podcast <laughs> like with, <laughs> with no hopefully a lot of good uh, tips and tricks for your development um, day-to-day work. Yeah, I hope so as well. Uh, so today uh, I want to talk about uh, a tool that for me is vital for any mobile project. And a tool that is very versatile, and there's a lot of things you can do with it. Although most of the teams, I think I, they just use one or two functions. So I think it's uh, great to talk about what we use it for, what can be done with it, and with how much actually you, for a part, your particular project, should, should implement. So this tool is obviously Fastlane. Yes. And I, I really like it. Um, I think it's a very important tool because it takes a little bit of the complicated stuff away. Um, I'm talking about, you know, signing um, profiles, signing the applications and uploading stuff. So it's a lot of things you have to learn as a mobile developer. And um, if you have in your team uh, people which are more junior or uh, coming from the web environment, and uh, it's, uh, it's much easier to understand scripts than... Um, being uh, pro- efficient and proficient in, uh, you know, like Android Studio and iOS, uh, Xcode, and then two or three services which you have to access. But I have to say it has like some horrible names inside. So as I said, that's um, it's a tool which helps out with something which is, it's not very understandable for somebody. So if you are um, in this environment, you have to be very precise. So if somebody has a problem with something, they have to know what to search for. And what's fascinating. There might had, be a problem when you search for names like Sai or Match. Yes, exactly. So, you know, they had wanted to have like very cool names. And because when you start with a new project, you want to have cool names, right? And something like upload to test flight is basically too boring. So you have to Supply call it pilot. Or pilot, yeah. And I think yeah. in this case, the pilot or instead of build up, you call it a gym. And this is confusing. I mean, it could be fun when you write the projects, but for sure it's not, not a very uh, straightforward um, thing later on because now there are a lot of fast lanes, uh, uh, fast files, which have mixed uh, both things. So they use perhaps gym and update, upload to test flight in, inside. And when, when you go into these projects and you're not, uh, you know, like a new in this environment, you can be really confused. I can understand how, how it happened, but yeah, it's very important to, to have good names for everybody and not for just for, for people who write it. Okay. I think this is the worst wo- what we have to talk about Fastlane because apart yes. from naming uh, uh, and how it makes documentation sometimes confusing, uh, it's a wonderful piece of software. But before we get into, into what's great about it, um, I would like to define what are we going to talk about? Because we, when I say fast lane, 
I just I don't mean just fastlane scripts, but basically any scripts that I put in my fast file. So sometimes those would be things I write myself and I maintain myself, but I use Fastlane uh, to to run it um, because they somehow fit into into the pipeline. Like I build the application using Fastlane, but then I run some special scripts myself. So I would like to talk about any kind of deployment related uh, scripting that we're using. Uh, so. I would start with things that are for us a no-brainer and uh, that we think are necessary in uh, at least in any application that we work on, like the what we always set up, and uh, then move to things that uh, are nice to have to improve the developer experience, and then maybe mention uh, some stuff that's uh, less uh, used less often. Uh, but it's still cool and it's good to know that you you're able to do it. Okay? Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Uh, okay, I'm gonna start with uh, the thing that actually uh, brought me to Fastlane. It's Match. This is the certificate management for iOS. Back in the days before there was a, a button in Xcode the, that said automatic uh, automated code signing. Uh, it was a huge hassle to to set up you, all your credentials, all, all your certificates and provisioning profiles to be able to release the app. I remember that sometimes there was uh, one machine in the team that was kept along just because like you could only build from it. Like nobody used it. It was too slow for development work. But they still kept it around the, because the application built there and they weren't sure what certificates are, are needed to, to move to a new one. Uh, obviously, it's a terrible situation to be in. Uh, and Mesh simplifies it. Basically, we have a bunch of scripts that contact the uh, App Store Connect APIs and create the certificates and provisioning profiles in your name. And then they would download them. Uh, they would uh, encrypt them and push to a, encrypt to a good Git repository. So any other developer on the team, they don't need to set up new certificates. They would just, you give them access to this encrypted uh, repository and the decryption key, and they would just run a script on their machine and it will automatically download and set, them, set the whole signing on their machine. So they're also able to, to push new builds. Like, create production builds. Yeah, and then this way they don't even need access to the developer pro uh, portal of Apple because everything later on can be just based on, on their encrypted repository with all the files you need. Yeah, and for me, the I cannot imagine uh, doing it by hand. Like, uh, well, I can imagine because <laughs> I did it by hand, but uh, maybe I don't want to do it because I can, I know exactly how it looks like if you if you do it manually, and it's a wonderful thing to have automated. Yeah. So so the the worst part of that what you said in like in the past was not even the releasing the application, but the development certificates and how it was working is basically if you wanted to run an iOS application on your mobile. Uh, in just to de uh, debug it or check it how it works on the device, then um, this profile, this provisioning profile, has to have your uh, UI ID inside, uh, where UI ID of your 
um, phone inside of the special file. So when a new developer joins the team, they want to add this uh, this uh, new UI ID inside of this profile. So they go to the in the past they had to go to the web page, um, revoke the old certificate, create a new one, and download the new provisioning profile. And then they were happy. But the, your profile, you know, you had set up before, just stopped working. <laughs> so you have to go again and then redownload it and so on. It was a lot of hassle. So yeah, this this was fixed as well by Apple with, as you mentioned, this automatic uh, signing when the Xcode basically was regenerating everything on their own. But if you don't want to have this, you know, a lot of changes in the in the portal and you just want to share the same certificate and the same provisioning profiles, then the Git repository works very, very nicely. I also think it's uh, easier to debug any potential problems. <laughs> if you know exactly which provisioning profiles and which certificates are you using, when do they change, who pushed them to the repo, and it makes yeah. it much easier to figure out what, what happened. And it's much nicer for the CIs to use this. Kind of yes, setup. yes, that's true. Okay, uh, next step that we we automate. Uh, I think uh, it's also a no-brainer to automate the build stage and upload to both of the stores, both the Play Store and the App Store. Uh, and this uh, also automatically triggers like that the build is available to people who are part of the of your organization on Appster Connect and uh, they also have an account on, well, and they are part of the internal tra testing track on Google Play Store. So it kind of sets the build out to testers, but only those who are like very close to the team. I think there's like a limit of how many users you can have on Appster Connect. Uh, but this is the first stage, for example, in most of my project, it means that I just push out the build and the PO or QA people can already look at it. I don't have to create any special tester re releases, only if I want to widen the group of testers. So for example, involve people outside of the team or outside of the company, then I would have to click through so, some releases. Uh, so yeah. Which is as well, perhaps if you work in more uh, controlled environment, uh, it's... Uh, a better security model because a developer uh, is not able to push um, releases to the external testers where the PO perhaps knows these people and knows which group should release, which release should go to which group, you know. So um, in, if you are working with some in this kind of environment, so this is as well really helpful. So uh, me as a developer, I just deliver a new build. It can be tested internally and then if it's accepted by PO and QA, let's say it can be pushed to more people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. For a bigger organization, maybe it's better to to have those steps separate and don't use the internal track so much. But there is a little gacha connected with the building of the app, and this is the version bump. So we have two types of versioning. We have the build number and we have this version, like human readable string. Uh, marketing version. It's yeah, it's it's called marketing version because the build number is called the build version. So like in iOS, those naming is, it's crazy. Uh, but the point is that Fastlane uh, has a task has a script that you can use to bump the the build number because it's necessary to to bump it because you cannot upload you cannot upload two builds with the same number or for obvious reasons. Uh, so it has to be unique. 
and Fastlane has a script that bumps the iOS build number, but they don't have a script that bumps the Android build number. And it sucks. Uh, I'm guessing that's because Xcode has tooling for updating the bumping the number and Android Studio doesn't. And most of the people I saw, they end up adding a Gradle task, which does regular expression magic on your build.gradle and then changes the number. But I find it super hacky. And I think I have never, maybe once, but I'm not even sure of that. Uh, that I automated the step and usually I uh, do the run the build on iOS first and then manually update this uh, it's called the version code field in in, in build.gradle uh, to the same number that's on iOS just to keep things uh, more like in sync uh, but I do it manually which kind of sucks but 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 that's that's what I do uh, how how do you find this situation, Patrick? And um, well, there are two things. Uh, first thing, let's say it's uh, you are feeling the the discrepancy that you know the tool was developed and presented for iOS developers, and uh, of course now many companies, well, every company builds, well, not every, like ninety percent of companies build have iOS and Android version, so. Obviously, if you have, uh, if you start doing scripting uh, of iOS, somebody um, pushed for for having uh, Android as well as part of a fast lane, but it's really not on the same level. And as you said, a lot of things you have to script yourself, like these version numbers. I just, you know, made it with a bash script uh, for the newest project, and um, so um, there is definitely. Uh, the things where you you kind of see that that the fast lane has like two kind of of scripts. One is the local ones, which you you can do it. Uh, you can you know, for example, you can use this this uh, CLI tool of Xcode to change the versioning uh, number of your project, and you wouldn't be much longer than writing the same line in in fast lane. So so it's it doesn't really matter if you take one or the other. But uh, what the Fastlane is, um, the greatest strength of, of Fastlane is that they scripted out this whole API stuff, like uploading to, to the Google Play Store and then an app center and then the, the test flight, because you don't want to do it. There is like a lot of changes, a lot of things breaks, like they added security layers. Um, you would have to, if you would do it alone, you would have to, I don't know, script out uh, to factor authentications, input fields, and like uh, things you really don't want to do. So yeah, these things is like a no-brainer to take. The other ones, as you um, start to mention, is like some things you perhaps you don't script it, you do it manually. This is like the the border. Okay, uh, so when we reached the border, I'm gonna cross over to the other side. One of the things that is absolutely not necessary, but I tend, uh, tend to do it pretty often, is add a script for registering uh, debug devices for iOS. Because if you want to uh, run the application on your phone, not on the emulator, it has to be the, the ID of the device, has to, as you mentioned before, it has to be embedded in the provisioning profile. So you usually I add the, JSON 
with the list of the devices so we know whose devices like which device uh, belongs to whom like uh, who's the owner like if they leave the company we can remove it from there and uh, because there's only a limit of a thousand of them so i uh, think it's a hundred yeah ah yeah yeah <laughs> i, I know well, perhaps more so. perhaps more perhaps no, but yeah, i think it's a hundred of something than hundred of something else and so on so i'm able to run one script that adds the device then instantly it runs the match and re regenerates the provisioning profile profiles and push them to the to the repo so with one script i do to both of the things and uh I uh, any developer that comes after me just adds their device to the to the JSON and uh, runs the script. Uh, so yeah, I like I like it very much. I never uh, like adding it manually. It's a it's, it's a pain. It's not particularly a hassle, but whenever I have to run a, a other device, I just add the script and uh, don't worry about like clicking through the through the menus. It's super easy. Mm -hmm. Um, the things which uh, which is uh, I done in the past, uh, I haven't done it since a very long time. But uh, at at that point, it was uh, I, I thought it's cool and everybody liked it. Uh, we had a script which was uh, painting the app icon with some some <laughs> debug data, like uh, you know the version, the hash or, or the short hash of the Git commit. I don't know. Well, I mean, it was it was cool, you know, because you could that. It was a, you were able to do it with programmatically with uh, image magic and so on. And, you know, the icon was changing from, from, um, from one merge to another. And yeah, it was really not useful to anybody because nobody knows a hash commit, what the hash commit contains. And today you would put basically the version inside of settings or something else where everybody can see it. And you need it anyway for the production app. So yeah, <laughs> but it was something cool you could do. But this was again, you put it into fast lane, but was I don't think it was a fast a fast lane script. I think it was something we done it. So yeah, it's, so we are coming to this, you know, kind of uh, kind of things that you can make this uh, this fast files, which is where the all scripts are sitting, like really really complicated. And when you, um, for example, if you wanna push out like two lanes and they need to have the same code version and perhaps a change log, like everything. And you script it very, you know, to the, to the very last detail. Uh, it's great when it works, but if something breaks on in the middle of the script, then you have to go again and comment out stuff because you don't want to like, let's say, uh, bump the version twice. Right. Right. Or you don't want to have to compile everything again, just to try to upload it again. So it's like a, when it works, it works great. You are a little bit lost the purpose of, you know, having something uh, abstracted from the people who doesn't know much about uh, releasing or application. Yeah. Um, because if it breaks, then they have to change it something and they probably don't really know what to do. So yeah, it has, it's like a double, double edged, edged sword. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is, but there is one more feature that I want to talk about, which I feel like, I think it greatly fits what you described because uh, it's something that sounds great as an idea, but implementation it's a bit complicated. So Fastlane lets you generate screenshots of your app. 
which is a great thing because you have to actually upload screenshots uh, to the App Store and Play Store. And it would be great if you could automatically generate it for every language that you support. And they would always uh, represent the newest version of the app. And that would be wonderful to be able to provide something like this. However, the, the way you would implement it with Fastlane, you would have to set up UI testing of your app natively in iOS using, I think, those UI test views, something like this, uh, and natively in for Android. So you would have to, if you have a cross-platform app, like most of our apps uh, are, you would have to write two sets of test suites, maintain both of them. They are as fragile as basically end-to-end -end testing. And then, as a side effect, fast if you would have to maintain Fastlane that it will uh, create screenshots of particular screens. And that's a pain, so I never did that. Apart from one project where the, it was, uh, I know, a B2C app where a customer makes a choice in the beginning of the process and then the app, it's like you have two different apps. You have two diff completely different flows, uh, depending on the choice that the customer makes in the beginning. And we supported uh, two languages. So uh, if you wanted to properly QA that the build is fine and everything looks good, or like you may, or worst case scenario, you made a design change that it's supposed to be global and you want to see if it really is global, you have to ch check both paths. So we ended up scripting the screenshotting and uh, we were doing screenshots at every stage of the of the journey and we ran it uh, eight times in total because you have two flows times two languages times two platforms so you have like a eight options uh, and uh, but the only difference is that we did not use the screenshotting uh, functionality from Fastlane, but we used end-to-end -end detox tests and we were doing screenshots manually. We ran it as part of the Fastlane flow, like Fastlane was triggering this action, but basically it was scripted from, from zero and it worked great. Like the outcome was, uh, was very nice because if we made any, basically on any change, we, ah, it also dropped those screenshots to an HTML file where a designer could go in and ju they just scroll through the HTML file and see, oh, this looks a bit off. And then they focus on the screen and maybe test it manually by themselves. But in general, it takes them instead of, I know, 15 or 20 minutes to test the whole thing. It takes them, I know, two to five, how, how long it takes to, to browse through the HTML. But I only did it once because that's when when I needed it. But I think it's very good to know that you have such an option. And if it would be the developer's team responsibility to update the, the screenshots in the stores, probably you would also have it scripted. But usually, uh, in, at least in our case, it's either marketing or the product team that takes care of that. So, the developers don't feel they need to automate it because somebody else is doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, that's how it works uh, between departments. But yeah, that's a feature that Fastlane provides. Uh, I decided not to use their implementation of it, but do something from, from scratch. Uh, but I think if you have the, the native UI testing setup, 
and you could get it kind of for free. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to have. True, true. Uh, yeah, I have one one story from from. It, I, I made a screw, I screwed something up uh, with a fast lane, and it's uh, it's a funny bug, uh, let's say, or have a funny problem in retrospective. But it costed me a few, I don't know, perhaps an hour or something, and I was pulling a lot of hairs. Uh, when trying to understand what is going on. So I had like an app which was have two environments. One was called Live and the other one Pre-Live. And so I set up uh, lanes for both these cases and, and tested them and was working uh, perfectly. So the app was building and, uh, and uh, I could upload everything to the test flight. And then I uh, wanted to add a sentry into that mix. So once the application is built, uh, the symbols and then JavaScript bundle and source map is uploaded to sentry as well. And this uh, was a very, this uploading tasks, which I wrote myself um, more or less, or I wrote a function which was encapsulating like three calls to sentry. so there was a lot of shared parameters uh, between life and pre-life. So I, of course, I wrote a function which was accepting an nth. And everything was working fine till I added this this sentry upload. And then the app was basically building fine and then doing something strange and then throwing an error that it cannot sign and it was taking a long of time. And I couldn't figure it out what was going on. Uh, so basically... Uh, somewhere in my my uploading sentry script, uh, there was like an f which was um, having to could have two uh, values. One is was symbol life or symbol pre life, like a Ruby symbols, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't want to use strings because you know the symbols are more cool and they use less Performance. less memory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that was a mistake actually. And <laughs> Uh, inside of the script, there was something like uh, if nf equal um, equal equal uh, life, then do this. Otherwise, do something else because you know life should happen only. It shouldn't be. I mean, your pr- production shouldn't be like a default case. It should be like explicitly yeah. right. So uh, that was fine. And then I couldn't figure out what is going on. And I, on some point, I looked in the summary of of the fast lane. Um, and execution and it was something like switching lanes, like, like switching lanes. Why? Because I was building the app in pre-life and then it was switching to live and like, what's going on? It was like, I was pulling, you know, like, ah, that was horrible. I couldn't find it out because it was so obvious, but invisible to my eyes. So basically what happened is in this, if else, what I had or, or in this, if where I wrote n equal life. I wrote nth equal life, not symbol life. And that means if you write life, which was the name of the lane, it was breaking the execution of the pre-life and lane and switching to the lane. Oh, yeah. And if I would use strings, that would be kind of obvious that I'm not, you know, I comparing it wrongly because, you know, I can see when the string is not a string, but I pro- it was looking like this, that my eyes was not catching And also the, the one... Wonderful thing with Ruby that you don't need uh, parentheses to run a function. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's a combination of like three different. Uh, yeah, uh, and especially you know because you know you're working so much into a compiler in an environment where compiler would catch it, right? So at some point you 
you are not so sharp in finding these things probably manually. So yeah, that was something that, that was for sure an hour or something or more searching for, for, for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool, that's a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. for definitely a learning, uh, learning, uh, experience. Okay. I think we're going to stop here. Uh, I don't have any story as cool as that to share. Unfortunately, uh, most of them are boring, uh, boring stories when I just run a fasting script and go do something else for 15 minutes. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's how, a good that, story. That's, that's, how, that's how a happy deployment looks like. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that's about that. I think we answered the, the question from the title. So how far is too far? It, it depends. On your project mostly uh, but uh, it's always good to go through the fast lane docs from time to time and see what possibilities are there maybe there's a cool feature that you didn't know about and uh, could be useful for your particular project mm -hmm. but uh, at least just set up the code signing uh, and basic uh, release builds and and uploads with, with fast lane it's gonna save you a lot of time and a lot of a lot of hassle for me it's half about the time and the other half is about not having to worry about it uh, and remember the steps because it's always multiple steps uh, okay thanks for your time patrick it was Thank cool you. to catch up with you again and talk to you next week then talk to you next week take Ciao. care thanks for listening everybody bye bye yeah thanks everybody Thank you for listening to the episode. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. And if you like our show, consider sharing it with your friends. You will find notes to this episode on our page, brainsandbeards.com podcast, where you can as well leave us feedback or suggest a topic for the future episodes. We would be very happy hearing back from you. Stay safe and curious. Till the next one. Bye.